You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think the reason that I chose Franklin Pierce is that his is a story of a disastrous presidency that started out with so much hope. And I thought also that having just done the uh, special on John Kennedy with Thomas Oliphant, one of our most popular episodes ever, by the way, um, having done that, that it's interesting to see a 19th century version of JFK, somebody who is young, handsome, attractive, and, you know, we talked about it briefly on the podcast, even though technically there's no TV, so it wouldn't seem to be an asset. Don't forget that a presidential candidate, even one that doesn't go stumping, as, as Franklin Pierce wouldn't have, still is taking a lot of meetings with people and having to impress a lot of people. And that's going to have an impact on how the press writes about you. It's going to have an impact on how foreign visitors see you, how political leaders from other states, how willing they are to help you. I mean, if you're an engaging, charming person, you know, then as in now, that part doesn't change. Sure, there's no TV screen. There are photos and there are placards and pictures. So a lot of people are going to know what he looked like. Uh, but yeah, it's not the being telegenic isn't isn't the point. But uh, it was certainly an asset. So it was interesting to see somebody like a kind of 19th century JFK just utterly fail in, in the presidency. And starting out with so much promise, really uniting a bunch of the fractured politics. And that was another reason I did it, because Franklin Pierce in 1852, the Whigs are fractured, the Democrats are fractured. So how do you try to lead the nation in that kind of environment? And starting out with so much promise and then a series of not small things, but giant disasters and scandals and not really achieving any of the goals. You know, I think that when Pierce got into office, particularly considering his inaugural, he was thinking, oh, we're going to get Cuba and we'll probably have a railroad across the country. Not going to build a railroad till after the Civil War. And in effect, we never got Cuba at all in history, although after the Spanish-American War, we certainly had a lot more influence there. Those are sounds that I normally will take off the recording. I normally edit out uh, the shuffling of paper. But I just wanted to... Put that in there because uh, it gives you an indication of, of what I do, what my process is. And the thing to know about a My History Can Beat Up Your Politics episode is that it is always generally handwritten. It's just the way I am. I, I think there's something about it that in the process of writing by hand, uh, I'm working out things better and making the prose clearer. If I do it on the computer, that's when you're going to hear me, and it might sound like I'm reading certain things, and it happens from time to time. I try not to do that, but with the pen and paper, I can kind of emphasize things more, and it just makes for a cleaner delivery. If you ever saw the movie The King's Speech, and you noticed how, because the king was at the, the, the British king was a, a stutterer, uh, in order to help him make his speech, the 
therapist had various markings and stress points. And so handwriting also allows me to do that where it's not as easy with a computer. Once in a while, it's like, oh, really emphasize this. Put some underlines there, put a check there. So everything starts with a handwritten. There hasn't been an episode where I don't consult some kind of book. There's always a book with a My History Can Beat Up Your Politics program. And I think a key book for this episode was Wrestling With His Angel, which is volume two of Sidney Blumenthal's Political Life of Lincoln. And I'm very grateful that Simon Schuster sent that my way because it's been a great resource for the Whig period and then the presidency of Franklin Pierce. Other sources are found on Google Books for me. So I literally will go to Google Books and I can't purchase every book and I will uh, take screenshots of the books. What I like about Google Books, it's really enhanced the podcast, the research end of the podcast, because it allows me to see books that are older. All right. With a presence like like Franklin Pierce, it's not somebody that's going to be covered in a modern way. And also, if you want to get all sides of the story, you know, let's face it. I mean, books these days are probably not going to be too, too happy about a Franklin Pierce presidency. So the way it's going to be colored is a little different. So you at least want to get the perspective of the older books. It doesn't mean you agree with that old perspective. They could be wrong. They could be um, horrible opinions, um, but it's something you still want to consider as you try to triangulate what happened in a historical time period. So there are several biographies that were written. I have the Nathaniel Hawthorne biography that was available to me through Google Books. And of course, that's a campaign biography, so it's glowing with praise. But uh, that, that's among many things that I picked up from, from Google Books. Uh, Sean Willentz has a book on democracy from Jefferson to Lincoln. And that's an important source for so many podcasts, but it definitely had uh, was one that I used here. Various books on the Kansas, Bleeding Kansas, and John Brown for that side of the story. For congressional votes, that is where I am. You know, on a few things, I will use Wikipedia. Things like um, how many seats were won by a particular party. It's getting very good there, and it's usually sourced, and they have pretty good house election stats. The only other thing I'll do with Wikipedia is find other sources. You know, I'm not going to use Wikipedia for anything more than, say, a date or to find another source, and then I'll look at that source. Like a lot of casts, um, the t the time varies that to how long it takes to write this cast. Um, there are episodes like Saturday Night Nixon that I did in about four days. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. 
there are others. There's there's one that was called The Slaughter Cannot Be Ignored. It was about the 14th Amendment that I wrote in 2009 and didn't get didn't put it into a podcast until 2013. I had it in a notepad. I just kept adding little things. Um, somewhere in between is where we go. It's usually like a, a week or a few weeks. Uh, with this Franklin Pierce one, I found that I had something written uh, in probably like more in the four-day mark. And then I found more interesting things to add, like the note about the Crystal Palace and then researching that. So I definitely, I read diagonally. I find sources that not necessarily oh, just a book about Franklin Pierce, but I'll read a book about Lincoln to understand Franklin Pierce. I'll read a book about democracy in America to understand what they say about Franklin Pierce. That way you're avoiding some of the agendas that biographers might have. And then when I find something, I try to investigate it more. Oh, that's interesting. What's that word? So the fact that you would like call Southerners ultras or fire eaters, but politically they were called ultras. It's just something I had you look up and you verify the size of the Crystal Palace, where the Crystal Palace was. These are all things that you that you note. So I'm not a historian. You, know, you often see that like, oh, Bruce Carlson's a historian that does a podcast. I'm not a historian. I have a degree in literature. I read a lot of history books. I'm not. I use secondary materials, but sometimes I use primary as well. And one of the things that's I use it for is to verify certain things. Like in this case, there's the story that Franklin Pierce didn't even know he was running for president, right? Well, when you look at the original letters back and forth between him and his friend Edmund Burke, I think that kind of um, discounts some of that. And he certainly gives his assent in a, and I saw that in a firsthand source, in a primary source, a letter of Franklin Pierce's handwriting that, uh, that it's okay for people in New Hampshire to start a presidential campaign in his name. So I do sometimes use that, but I want to, you know, I, I would stress that it, you're generally, my history can be up your project, we're looking at multiple sources, and we're looking at um, if there's an issue of conflict, then I want a couple sources on it. If it's something of general agreement, maybe not, it's not as important. And I do, from time to time, look at a few primary ones. You know, to an extent, the State of the Union addresses in 53, which is his first year, and 56, which was his last year, are important. Um, they're a statement that he's making. So I think going back and looking at that is how you pull out certain things. And you never want to approach uh, My History Can Beat Up Your Politics podcast with an idea in your, already in your head. You can start out with a hypothesis a theory perhaps, and then test it by the research. You know, things like, did he, did this guy really run for president? Was it really as unsuccessful as it seemed? Why didn't they renominate Pierce at the convention? All of these questions, I think, have to be tested in the research, and then you find something that's um, novel in, in, in the process. So I also try to ask constantly ask questions and counter questions as you're going through research like oh this is a, when i see a cast starting to go a certain way ah, we're really building up franklin pierce to be this really bad guy is there anything that someone a modern like majority of my audience would would think is good and that's where i came about his policy on immigration and against anti-papism and know-nothingism i don't want to do that to create a false equivalence or a artificial balance, but they're important 
counter questions to ask. It could very well be that there's nothing there to be found. But you don't want to close your eyes to look for it, to looking at it, and it's a totally different process of education than it is agenda building. Agenda building, we're going to close our eyes till we find something that matches our view that we want to make. Education, you're going to look for it. Wow, what's interesting here? And deal with it that way. Thanks for listening, and really thank you for your support of this program through the Premium Podcast.